severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job. Hello, I am Jamie McKinley and welcome to another episode of Just Get A Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industries. We have another very good episode lined up for you today, but first I just wanted to say, if you are a returning listener, thank you for coming back as always. If you're a new listener, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for choosing to listen to us. This is actually episode 46, so we got plenty of episodes in our back catalogue so if you just started listening or you've been listening for a few weeks and haven't caught up on all our episodes have a wee look in the the archives go back and listen there's some great conversations there they might not all be for you but be sure to check some of them out because we put a lot of work into the podcast and it's it's always nice when people listen and also if you're enjoying the podcast remember and share us on social media and tell friends and family to listen all that stuff goes a long long way there's also a link to our patreon page in the show notes so if you fancy donating to us if, if that would be a huge help to us and if you can afford to do that we would be very very grateful but yeah I'm, I'm recording today's intros very early in the morning and I've never really I don't think I've ever recorded an intro this early and I, I can see why it's quite difficult I'm struggling to speak to be honest out of coffee as well so that's not really helping matters but it's great to be back in Edinburgh I've been on the road for like 10 weeks working on a show and it's finally nice to just have a sit down and I'm hoping to be able to sort of put a bit more work into the podcast again in August because to be honest it's been a bit of a struggle keeping this going on the side for the last 10 weeks but I'm really glad we did and I love doing it and it was it's still even when busy I'm still happy we can keep making this podcast and yeah I'm really proud of it and I'm glad that people are still listening every week it means the world but Without much further ado, it is time to introduce this week's guest. And speaking to us on the podcast this week is Keisha Thompson. And I really, really enjoyed this conversation. So Keisha is a performance artist, a writer, a producer. She's made music. She's a poet. She's done so many amazing creative things. And she's based in Manchester. And we spoke about lots and lots of stuff. She's so articulate. I thought we ended up having some quite profound conversation, which I quite enjoyed. And she made maths really interesting, which is something I thought I'd never say. We had an interesting conversation about maths. But I'll let you listen to that and I hope you enjoy. And I'll be back at the end. Well, hello, Keisha. How are you doing today? Nice for you to come on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Hello, Jamie. Um, Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Having a good day, and yeah, looking forward to having this conversation with you. Yeah, we're, well, you're you're coming live to us from like a recording space as well, so it's quite exciting. So you're actually in, in amongst it right now. Indeed, I'm just sat outside of the rehearsal room. So the director Kwame and the cast are all in there doing interesting things. Um, <laughs> with my work <laughs> amazing well just for the listeners you are a writer a performance artist a producer a poet you I mean you're you're very very multi-creative so you've done a lot of things so there's lots to talk about yeah I can't stick to doing one thing unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> most most of our guests can and what we do on the podcast is we always will put out the episode and be like you know it'll be their name and then whatever the role is but what the problem often is is no one has like a role everyone does so many different things which mm. is which is brilliant and you're very much an example of that you're just like a complete artist almost I'd say yeah I mean yeah it took me a little while to kind of 
own that title, which kind of chimes with what you were saying in regard to the sentiment behind this podcast, really, because you get that vibe that you can't just be an artist, even though luckily for me, it was very visible. I had the opportunity to meet and work with so many people who were working as artists from when I was a young age, but still it didn't feel like, yeah, it's only over over the past few years that I will announce myself as an artist to people. I I suppose it takes that time to sort of become comfortable with yourself because I still don't feel like I would call myself in any way an artist. And I think you have to sort of get to that point where you feel kind of comfortable and and you don't have that imposter syndrome. I'm sure imposter syndrome sticks around forever, though, a little bit to a lot of us. But I think you do have to sort of feel comfortable, don't you? Yeah. And I guess for some people, you need to be established in order for them to take you seriously. Even though, as we know, you're an artist, whether you've got a website or not, whether you've got a portfolio (laughs) or not, like a shiny portfolio, do you know what I mean? But for some people, they need to see that. They need to see the credits. And then they'll be like, oh, okay. (laughs) You make money (laughs) from it. All right. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a, it's a difficult one, I think, isn't it? But uh, no, I'm glad. I'm glad. I, like whenever we speak to people, everyone sort of feels the same about that. So it's good. And that's the mm. whole po- point of this podcast. It's like we are all we are all working artists at the end of the day, whether we have the credits or we make a living from it or not. I think if you want, if you create, then you're an artist, really. I guess. Yeah, indeed. We sort of like to start the podcast by asking all our guests, like, what are your sort of earliest creative memories? Do you remember when you first sort of growing up and stuff got into writing or, or, or being creative in any sort of way? I do, actually. I was writing and doing a lot of creative stuff before I even got to school. I'm really grateful for that. My family saw that in me and really encouraged it. So I've got really early memories of, like, drawing stories. Like, I used to make these little, like, folded up books and write out stories and draw pictures and tell stories and (laughs) dance and put me in the middle of the living room and I'd be singing like all of that stuff I was that kid that was just constantly performing and my mum did a good job of sending me off to as many things as possible so I'd go to like circus class and knitting class and (laughs) ballet and yeah I was just very much encouraged to keep writing and telling stories and drawing pictures to go along with that so yeah I can remember doing that from really young from like four or five yeah and and even you're talking about as a child and stuff but even then it sounds like you weren't just sticking to like one little thing it was like lots and lots of different creative outlets which is interesting Mm -hmm. as well yeah they've always seemed interlinked to me so yeah I was doing choir I'd be yeah doing poetry drawing that it was always arranged for me I've never just done strictly just writing or just dance or singing I've always felt like I've been doing a number of different art forms all at once yeah, and I was yeah. never forced to pick and do you do you think like kids having that freedom and stuff do you think that really benefits people from a young age creatively and things oh massively massively I am such an advocate for creativity and not for the pure sake of pushing someone to go into being an artist. I feel like the skills that you gain when you learn how to be resilient, how to persevere, how to go for a goal, but appreciate the process, how to be critical. I think when you're making any kind of artwork, you're processing something, you're taking something that you've seen in the world or you're using your imagination and then turning it into something else and refining it. And that's a really critical tool, actually, in being able to find your voice and interrogate. There's just so many things. You gain confidence, you learn how to communicate with people, particularly when you're doing like 
ensemble type work. So if you're in a choir, if you're in a dance group, learning to be present and to connect with people without talking, learning that you can't just waltz into a space yeah, with yeah. negative energy and make it all about you. You really have to kind of tap into your emotional intelligence and be like, okay, I can't bring this into the space. How do I process that? Now I need to just be engaged with what I'm doing right now for the sake of a bigger goal. Just all of those kind of skills just to help you, I think, to just be a better person. <laughs> yeah, that's a brilliant, absolutely brilliantly articulated answer to that question. No, no, we talk about this on the podcast all the time. And I've got some questions about creativity and education for you later, because I read about like stuff to do with you and maths and teaching mm-hmm. maths in a creative way. So I've got like a really, really excited to ask you about that shortly, because we talk about education on the podcast a lot. And I'm a big advocate of like creativity and education and just being creative for the sake of it, not to create content just literally mm. just to create for the sake of creating so i'll ask you about that shortly but another question we ask and i'm, I'm excited to talk about this because we do we're a big fan of manchester in scotland as well and i do love a manchester I do love a manchester <laughs> accent but we sort of ask everyone that comes on the podcast like how where you're from and how like where you grew up and stuff how has that had an influence on you as a creative oh yeah definitely i mean coming from manchester it's undeniable for me it's an extremely creative city i'm so yeah. proud to be from there to have access to so many different cultural spaces and such a range as well so Mm. like as a young person when I was in a choir for example I was able to perform at the Bridgewater Hall and the Royal Northern College of Music but then also going to really small community spaces and being a part of like carnival and really community-based activities and yeah there's just so many different circles and pockets that you can go into particularly if you think about then Greater Manchester it's not just Manchester there are, bit, there are other wards as well and you venture into them and they've got their own little ecosystems as well that you can explore culturally so it's it's just an amazing city and I think as well well to know that you can go to other cities in other parts of the world and you have that reputation so people will go oh you're from Manchester oh you know they know about the Hacienda or yeah they'll they'll just know like cultural references and that's just amazing that they have those references it really galvanizes you I think for some people that might be intimidating because you might think oh gosh there's so many people that have come from Manchester what's the point of me trying to add to it but I just feel like I'm a part of a family yeah yeah there is there is something very specific about Manchester I mean I've only been to Manchester a handful of times I mean it's it's a great place very interesting place and a lot of people I love are from Manchester and things it's like there there is something about that that city in particular it's very similar to Glasgow in some ways as well actually Mm, Um, it's probably more something I can relate to as a Scot but there is like a you know something about the place that just creates so many amazingly talented creative people I don't know what it is but it's just quite remarkable actually as as a place Definitely. I think we have that kind of industrial history. We've got that political grounding. So there's this Mm -hmm. spirit of wanting to be proactive and the arts very much feeds into any kind of political activity. As far as Mm -hmm. I'm concerned, you know, you get songs, protest songs and people making banners and, and all that kind of stuff. So it just comes part and parcel with our political history, I think. And we've just kind of built on that. And now that we have that legacy and we're so aware of our history, you have that sense of wanting to protect it and add to it. But yeah, there's definitely parallels with places like Glasgow, for sure. I've only been to Glasgow twice and I really want to go back because I've felt that same thing as soon as I landed like genuinely as soon as I came out of the train station I was like Mm. oh yeah (laughs) 
was like, yeah, yeah it feels good here. Like, I need to explore. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I, I'm based in Edinburgh and I'm from Fife, but like the thing about, like, I love living in Edinburgh, but there isn't, it is, doesn't have that energy that Glasgow and Manchester and places like Liverpool and things do. There's just something mm-hmm. different there, which is interesting. And I think it's totally what you said. There's like this sort of activism, political undertone to it as well in those places. Mm-hmm. Definitely, which I think creates art, as you say. Yeah, definitely. I also just wanted to sort of touch on this because you talked about it in the other interview I was listening to that you were on earlier, but I know you were sort of talking about growing up. You had, although you're Manchester, you had sort of like a a Guyanese influence from your family and things as well. So I imagine that must have really influenced you as a creative as well. Yeah, there were some really great poets from Guyana. There's John Agard, who's quite well known in Britain. Grace Nichols, who's actually his wife. She's another amazing poet. Yeah, so there's a great kind of spoken word and music scene in Guyana. And I was definitely encouraged, as I said, to like (laughs) sing along to the soca music and calypso and just embrace the culture. So I was very proud of my culture, waltzing into my school and other environments as a young person and it felt like that was a way to communicate who you were and where you were from if you could share a poem or if you could show like a flag or a little badge or (laughs) those kind of things and it just creates curiosity because then I want to know, you know, what what songs do your family sing? What colours, what costumes do you wear? Like, what do you do on these certain days or what festivals do you celebrate? <laughs> and yeah, it just makes for a really beautiful space where you can communicate with people. Yeah, no, definitely. That, that That's really interesting as well. I love that idea of like sort of celebrating, you talk about celebrating and people like wanting to hear what people's stories are from their family. Because that's why we ask this question. I just love hearing about where people are from and what, what's influenced people and their background and stuff it just really I just find it really interesting so mm-hmm. thank you for sharing those answers and that actually segues nicely into our next question which we ask everyone and one of my favorite questions to ask is but do you have a favorite word or phrase from where you're from oh that's interesting <laughs> <laughs> There's loads of like words and stuff that stand out to me that I love that people say in Guyana, but they're just, they'll seem so random, but it's just stuff like my mum will say accoutrements, meaning things. Um, yeah so it's it's just very flamboyant it's very verbose and I really enjoy that I love the rhythm of the accent Mm. there's loads of little (laughs) oh they're all escaping me now but uh, one one that's it's probably a bit serious oh no this is a good one so my mum used to say when I was little are you hard ears hard ears hard ears and I was like what on earth is she talking about but she was (laughs) it's she meant have you got hard ears like are you hard of hearing but it's really interesting figuring out the journey of the phrase do you know what I mean because mm. for me it was just one word hard ears hard ears and I was like what even is that I'd have to then go what are you actually saying I don't know what you're saying <laughs> and then go back and then you're like, right, okay, that's where that phrase has come from. And like, obviously, you can't even use that phrase now because it's not politically correct. You wouldn't, you wouldn't say that. But the yeah. colloquialness of it, I find interesting now. And there's another one that she says, like, uh, life spare, life spare. And again, you, you know the sentiment of it. But then when I broke it down, I was like, what is she saying? And she was saying, if our lives are spared. So it's very religious. So it's yeah. kind of like, you know, and it's it's just, it's a bit much actually when I was younger, you know, I'd be like, mum, can we go swimming? And it'd be like, life's fair, life's fair. And it's like, if God permits us, if God lets us live further and you're just like, or you could just say, yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> you don't 
don't really need to take it that far and bring, and bring God into it. But yeah, so it's those kind of phrases that I really enjoy where I'm, I'm more familiar with the sound of it, whereas actually I didn't even realise that it was like two words or like where the phrase had actually come from until I'd gotten a bit older and, and questioned it a bit more. No, that's great. No, I really like that. Thank you for sharing those answers too. So just to sort of go on next, I just sort of wondered, do you remember the sort of age that you got into like sort of pursuing this life to like make it into that sort of a living so do you remember Mm -hmm. when you just like you thought I would like to be a creative and make a living from writing poetry and doing spoken word and and writing plays and things like that do you remember like when that was yeah ridiculously I was I was quite young Mm. I was 10 and I got published when I was 10 as a part of a local anthology they did a project where they reached out to young people mainly via schools and asked them to write about refugee experiences and I was learning about Anne Frank at the time so I wrote a poem my teacher submitted it it got picked and it was in this book and I remember from then feeling extremely validated I think my teachers did a really good job my parents were like you've been published so I was like oh okay and I remember thinking I'm a writer so I went into (laughs) high school with that kind of posture and I was seeking out more opportunities so my English teachers would let me know about other journals and anthologies and call outs so as a teenager I put myself forward for a few things and I got published two other times and by that point I was like okay this is something that I can do but as I was saying earlier on I never felt like it was something I could do full-time so I always knew that I'd want to do it and I managed to get a really big commission when I was 16 I performed for what's now the National Football Museum but it was the Urbis prior to that in Manchester and it was an exhibition for the Black Panthers movement so the artist Emery Douglas came and brought his whole exhibition to us and I was able to meet him have dinner with him and then I got to do a preview of the exhibition and then write a poem that opened it on the launch and I was only 16 but at that point I was like whoa okay I can get paid to write and this is bizarre but it's real so then as I continued through like my college life my university I was doing stuff on the side I was performing I actually chose Mm. to stay in Manchester but I, I loved Manchester but I was thinking oh let me go somewhere else but I made a decision to stay because people were starting to get to know me they knew my name I was getting work I was getting commissions so yeah thankfully I had that understanding from quite a young age so I was able to make some very like conscious decisions about my career yeah age oh brilliant and what what did you study at university what 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 were you doing there I did politics and philosophy okay and then went back and did a PGC mathematics oh great so it was not even like particularly creative subjects, which also really ties into like your other work as well, I imagine. That's a good mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I wanted to keep it broad and I do enjoy learning academic subjects. It's just that it felt like I was straddling two different worlds and now I feel like I'm <laughs> finally able to pull them together. But the way that they're sold to you is that it's either one or the other. Yeah, um, which is total, which isn't at all, is it? They, they all overlap. No, and it's, and it's nonsense as well because like, yeah, I remember like getting career advice when I was 16 and I was like, oh I think I want to be an accountant because I, I, I do enjoy maths and I was like I've got you know strong mathematical skills and they're like yeah but you won't enjoy it it'd be too boring that was the advice I was given they were like you're too creative so you won't enjoy it and I was like okay but now like, I know amazing accountants who work in creative organizations 
and their DJs as well. Um, do you know what I mean? And I was just, and they speak like different yeah. languages and they travel around the world and they're self-employed. And I was just thinking, what nonsense advice was that to just say, oh, you won't enjoy it as if there's like a carbon copy cut out version of what an accountant can be. Yeah. And when actually you can be creative in that space as much as you could be in any other role, really. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you get weird advice, <laughs> don't you? And No, you do, but there's this like sort of weird society. This is the whole part of inspiration this podcast i hope you know that we work for our listeners and stuff it's great for them i just love that we can give them this sort of tool that they can hear other people's stories like yourself and understand that like there isn't like a rule like everyone has different paths and mm-hmm. everything overlaps and stuff mm-hmm. and like you you know you shown firsthand like like reading about your play like man on the moon and stuff like you're taking like your love of maths and a bits of philosophy and science and stuff and you combined them with art and like you made that amazing show which obviously sadly i haven't seen but i watched the, tr- the clip from and like it's it's such a good idea so maybe it's a good good opportunity for you to sort of talk about that now so yeah i've always tried to come from an authentic place and I've wanted to pull different parts of my like interests and identities together but I'll I'll always make sure that it's it's done in a way that doesn't feel forced because as you've said some people do find it interesting that I do navigate those different spaces but it has to make sense for me when I'm making a piece of work that draws on all of them so thankfully I got a commission from Stun which is Sustained Theatre Up North, um, headed up by Garfield Allen. And it was a very open commission. He just said, we find you interesting as an artist. I'm going to give you some space and get you to work with someone. Will you make a new show? So I was like, oh, okay. that Yeah, that's an amazing opportunity. <laughs> and at the time, I was thinking a lot about my dad. I'd not heard from him in a while. We have quite a strange relationship. Some people would interpret it as that he lives as a recluse so I mainly communicate with him through like letters and he sends me books and things but I'd not heard from him in five months so I was feeling quite anxious about him and quite worried and not really discussed it with anyone so that was what I wanted to talk about really and then as I started to delve into that world it was just very obvious that you know like the books and stuff that he sends to me they're all about like maths and science and philosophy. He doesn't like fiction, even though he comes across as a fictional character himself. So <laughs> it, it felt really beautiful to be able to grapple with something that was so serious and heavy for me, but using stuff that I'm deeply passionate about. And that allows me to use my poetic license to communicate it back out to the world. So it was a really lovely process. And I had no expectations of where it would go. I was completely bowled over by the fact that I was able to work with Benji Reid on it. And then when I presented it, it just blew me away. Like to have those kind of responses, to get really great reviews, for it to be picked up and toured, for it to go to Edinburgh as a part of the British Council showcase. It was part of the IETM conference in Hull as well it got picked to go to Finland in 2019 wow so yeah I was just like what is going on this is just bizarre yeah <laughs> so, yeah. yeah and like are, are you still is the play still like a thing that are you going to do it again is it like is it like an ongoing project or is that sort of finished now Kind of. So it was coming to its last performance, literally, as we went into lockdown. I was going to take it to Birmingham and that was the last venue that I had pinned down for it to to tour. And then I was in conversation with some people about international touring, but we just needed to check out the feasibility of it 
because getting it to Finland was great, but it wasn't it wasn't the easiest of things. But I've also got a book that's attached to the project called Yeah, Lina. yeah. I was um, ask so you. yeah, it, that's the script, and then a collection of poems that I wrote alongside writing the script. Mm. And then I've also got an EP, which is called Moonwhile. So again, I took the songs from the show and then turned it into its own thing and weaved it together and interpreted it slightly different and turned that into like a mini album. So what I have done also is gone and just done readings of Luna or performed Moonwhile. So they're the conversations that I'm having at the moment because I feel that I'm just at a point where I don't necessarily feel like performing the full length show like I'm open to the conversation but just my head's in a completely different place now whereas I feel more comfortable being able to just delve into the book or delve into the EP it takes less out of me it's quite an exhausting show to perform it's 80 Mm. minutes me just on stage and it's a lot of lines and it's a lot of emotional (laughs) energy and yeah, I think I just have to be really honest about when I'm up for performing it and when I'm not. 100%. No, I totally I totally get that. And I think that's a good thing as an art. I think that's good for people to hear you say that as well. Like people who maybe want to do the same or who are creative people, because sometimes you have to have that boundary where you and be able to set that boundary and know when you are able to do something and not. And mm-hmm. that's a, a definitely a good thing. Well, actually, we're talking about maths and stuff, like another thing that you mentioned in the other interview, I was listening to you that you were on earlier, but they were talking about the sort of rhythm of it. And like, do you think about maths and things when you're doing poems and spoken word? Do you think about it like very rhythmically and things? Yeah, I do. I really, I get really excited by form. So I love thinking about numbers of syllables or the amount of words that I'm using or line breaks, creating symmetry. Sometimes there's a form called like the palindrome. So you kind of write in this kind of mirror form. There's like a pivot line in the middle. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I, I always get really intrigued by like the logic of making a poem, the construction of it as much as I'm intrigued by like the content and and the language that I'm using in the imagery yeah I'd say I'd definitely go down a, a very like logical or if you want to say forensic maybe someone might use that word root when I'm when I'm putting a poem together as well as just mm. thinking about about the other stuff <laughs> no I just find this really interesting because I am very, very bad at maths at school and stuff. I was terrible. Like I failed maths like four times. I'm just not a very mathical person. Not very. I'm dyspraxic and dyslexic mm-hmm. as well. So I've got terrible rhythm. So I just find it really interesting that the way that you sort of think about that because I can't do that myself. But like I just find it really, really kind of fascinating the way that you think about like that in that way. So I just wanted to ask about it. Yeah, I mean. Just to come back, I'm probably, I'm sure you're probably good at an element of mathematics. Oh, yeah. yeah, The way that we're taught it, because I can easily sit here and say that I know that geometry is my weakness, for example. And I'm not the quickest person in terms of mental maths. I'm not as numerate as people would assume me to be. But we don't get given the space to have that conversation with mathematics. So I think as soon as there's a thing that we don't understand, we just get this feeling or we get told even, oh, you're not very good at maths, you're not mathematical. When actually it's a very natural thing. It's come from us. Just walking around the city following a map, if you know to go down a diagonal as opposed to going like, you know, adjacent and then up, that's being mathematical, like you're being efficient. So it's just stuff like that, that we just, we're just not given the the credit that is that we're due in terms of mm. our like mathematical 
inclinations, but I'll I'll get off my little high horse there. As no, I, I think <laughs> just wait to let you know that you probably are pretty good at maths. You've no, just my 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 mum will really enjoy this. My mum's a teacher, and she's quite passionate about like education, but like doing it in a different sort of way. And and mm. I, you know, we have conversations all the time about like how the way we teach things needs to change as a society, and like obviously mm. how creative stuff can help. So like it's coming on from what I mentioned earlier. I just wondered like because I know it said on your website that you were working on like a sort of way of teaching people maths in a different mm. way. So I just wondered if you would would mind talking about that a little bit yeah so I've got a project called Decipher and it's all very early days but it's where I am trying to experiment with teaching people mathematical concepts but using my artistry so referring to poetry referring to movement getting people to think about making music or making a recipe and things like that and allowing them to acknowledge mathematical history and really enjoying the stories behind the maths, the people involved in the theories that we are told to engage with before we then have to delve into the concepts because I think Mm -hmm. it just makes it more tangible, more interesting. People feel more invested, less intimidated and you're given space to acknowledge that it's a creative field and then you can dive in at your own entry point and we can just learn a bit of maths and it gets away from that thing of like one of the typical things that you hear in, in a maths lesson is, you know, someone saying, when will I use this in life? And I'm like, when do we say that in other subjects, actually? Yeah, no, exactly. You know I mean, when you read in a novel about 14th century America or whatever, <laughs> does someone go, well, when am I going to use this? in life? Like, you don't think that you're not going like, to, it's mm. just interesting. <laughs> Or you're learning about geography, you're learning about space. How many of us are going to go to space? Or we're learning about like different types of rocks. We're not all going to go out and go on a mountain and separate out different types of rocks, but no one kicks off in the same way as you do with maths. I think it's because it's taught to us in this way that just feels so alienating. So that is used as a kind of defense mechanism. Whereas if we're just allowed to feel interested by it and curious, and if you take away something, you take away something, but at least you're sharpening your sense of logic and critical skills and that's that's all it's about really wow that's so true it'd be kind of making me annoyed that like i could i could have done that when i was like six or seven because i think it would have made such a difference yeah. pro- i'm annoyed film. i'm annoyed <laughs> <laughs> but i'm glad and i never thought i'd talk about math so much on just get a real job podcast but here it's great and i really appreciate you going into that it's, i know can i just say so you're one of the most articulately articulate guests i've ever had on the way you speak is so like to the point it's making me feel very like rambly so oh, thank <laughs> you. just have such a way of a language i mean you are a poet so i would expect that but you know still wow uh, <laughs> um, Hello, it's Jamie here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated. And I mean, there's lots of podcasts. We all love podcasts. But it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen, or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful, not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcasts, 
please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it, it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash job, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. Another just another thing we should probably talk about, which of course is what you're working on now, which is fourteen percent, and you're literally yes. at the venue now. So do you want to tell the listeners a bit about that? And I'm, I apologize that this won't be coming out before that streams live, but you can, I'm sure they can still read up about it, and it's still be yeah. interesting, interesting to hear about. Yeah, no, it's fine. Thank you. So yeah, fourteen percent. Another number reference there. Surprise, surprise. I know. So... Get some more math. <laughs> Basically, I was working with a group at the Royal Exchange. They brought a group of writers together and they were just encouraging us all to think about the work that we've done so far in theatre and how we can push ourselves. Mm. And a lot of us were coming from that space of, you know, spoken word or solo shows and hadn't written scripts that were for like multicast roles and, and and that kind of thing. So that was the provocation. We did a series of workshops, met some really great writers and directors, and then we were encouraged to go away and write something. So I went off and wrote this piece, submitted it to the Bruntwood, which was terrifying because it was only on its second draft. And I was like, what are you doing? But it was only, I had to get to the deadline. So luckily it got long listed, which I was so grateful for because I was like, it's so early days. Like, so to get it listed in some way and get feedback on it was great. Saw that Tallower were taking open calls. Uh, they did an open call, sorry. And they were taking submissions for people to, to send stuff to them that was quite early days. And so I just sent this piece and they took it up and they were like, we're really excited by it and we want to help you take it to the next stage. So I was over the moon. So that's where we're at now with it in that I'm getting it. Like yesterday was the first time that I got to hear a cast uh, say it out loud. And it was so helpful because it's all just (laughs) been in my head and it's really hard. You know, six, seven characters and they're on a train and I'm trying to picture it. I'm trying to make sure that they've all got a really clear voice and they've got an arc. I just need to see that. So that was all so, so brilliant just from yesterday. And we've got up until Thursday to work on it further and then present it and do a sharing. So I'm just really excited. And in terms of the themes, I really wanted to speak to what we've been going through in the past few years, you know, with Brexit and a lot of the racial inflammatory incidents that are happening. And usually, like, even though it's very much a passion of mine and it is in the fabric of my work, I don't speak to race specifically in my work. I don't feel that I have to. just comes with me because it's something that I'm interested in but this is a play where I'm deliberately speaking about it I'm talking about people confronting their Britishness different types of people they're all stuck on a train very claustrophobic and they're just having to confront what it means to be British and that's essentially what the piece is about so the 14% bit is based on various characters feeling that they have to like weigh themselves up in different ways. And there's one character who has taken a DNA test, for example, and is just really trying to get their heads around all these different percentages that they've been confronted with that's supposed to give them a sense of their identity. Yeah, so that's what the piece is about. That sounds very, very interesting. So do you are you, do you think if this sort of stuff goes well, that it will hopefully be a, a play as well that people can go and see? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I really do. So 
I'd, I'd I mean, love to come see it. It sounds it sounds very good. I would love to come see it. <laughs> My producer and I will try our best to get it <laughs> to the next stage after no, this. No, but it's it's a really interesting idea what you're talking about as well. And if it's it also feels very relevant this week, especially after what happened on it Sunday does. and stuff with the result. And <laughs> I mean, even as a Scot, like you know, that's I, you never want to see that. And you know, mm. it's just it's horrible. And like mm-hmm. it's you know just the whole sort of thing around it and I, f- I find it interesting what you're saying about the sort of British identity because there, it's a weird time and like I feel a bit weird about my identity as a, someone who's in Scotland because it feels very mm. different at the moment to like the sort of direction England's headed at we do feel like we're yeah. in two, two different directions but then I also love the way that you sort of described it as British as well because we are also similar in some ways and you know we yeah. are all on the same island at the end of the day so it's, it's yeah absolutely yeah that fluidity is so interesting jumping between Englishness and Britishness mm. and I always feel a bit more comfortable saying that I'm British because at least it then makes me feel like I'm closer to for example Scotland because sometimes <laughs> I look over and I'm like some of the things that you guys are doing in terms of education and just like yeah I'm like oh man <laughs> why aren't we doing that so I think like, I think it is probably, without getting too deep on this part, but I think it's probably slightly easier to feel like you have an identity in a smaller country like Scotland where there's less people because England's such a huge place it's, mm. and there's so many different, there's a lot more different areas of England as well. So I think it's mm. really difficult to sort of feel like what an identity is. And I think a lot of other par- parts of the UK get their identity from like the fact they were oppressed by England in the past and things as well. Yeah. I think that kind of yeah. gives them a bit of identity where maybe England has a lot more guilt on it in terms of like in the culture embedded in stuff but yeah. I, I'm not going to get too deep into that because I feel like I'm not qualified <laughs> but it's very interesting to me it's nice to talk about it, it. is um, and I was speaking to a few artists recently and we were just saying that like I was saying just before wasn't I I'm so proud to be from Manchester mm. I'm happy to say I'm Manc yeah it's interesting that isn't it because there's a lot of people who I know from Liverpool as well who are like I'm Liverpool not I'm from Liverpool not England and the same with Manchester and the same with lots of parts of the north it's, mm. it's very interesting isn't it yes there's like regional pride for yeah, sure there is, there is I think there's just a bit of like this sort of idea of like this sort of leftover thing of like empire and like this British mm. empire mentality which I think is still embedded in a lot big parts of the culture but then not in other parts so it's it's it was a bit of a mess isn't it <laughs> yeah and it's just that that slide the thin line between being patriotic and nationalistic mm-hmm. isn't it and so many people will can misinterpret what you're saying so it just feels really sensitive or loaded to say that you're proud to be English which shouldn't be the case and we need to get to a point where we can say that but at this point in time it definitely feels contentious to say something mm-hmm. like that it doesn't feel like it would immediately be read as patriotic yeah um, absolutely that's what you mean absolutely and and just without talking about football too much again but like I actually looking in it I think it looks really sums up like the way that the sort of England football team is a very likable team and it feels like they represent the best of like what England's about but then like mm. the sort of what you get in the fans also represents this other nastier part of the culture. And I think, yeah, it just shows you exactly like that they both exist, both that yeah. good thing and bad thing. Cause it's, you know, it's not like black or white. It's very like complex and nuanced. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's what I try to approach in the play. Actually, I mm. give voice to so many different types of people because I'm not trying to say, Oh, you should think like this or that's, wouldn't it be great if we all did this? I'm literally just saying, look, these are the voices that exist. And if they continue to speak in silo, 
what are we doing? Is mm. there potential for us to have a conversation? And that's all I'm trying to do with the play. So I know that as some people already have, those that I've shared it with and have read it, they've said, oh, I didn't like that bit or that made me uncomfortable or that made me question my own views. I'm like, well, good. You're not going to yeah. like it all. Like, I'm not trying to write a piece that's likable. I'm trying to write a piece that makes you think. Good, or yeah. potentially do something. Absolutely. And I'll start to wrap things up soon because I know you need to get back and you're in a rehearsal space and stuff. And I've, mm-hmm. got, I've, I've got a few fun questions after this because I know this is quite a deep part of the, the conversation. <laughs> but just to sort of like lastly tie up this sort of thing, I, I suppose like this political or philosophical stuff, like that sort of, do you think that ties into most of your work? Would you say that like that's sort of in a lot of your stuff? Absolutely. I don't think I can get around that. Not that I would want to, but I remember doing a workshop with Roger Robinson years ago now. And he was saying that he feels that the best work always has an epiphany. And I really connected with that. I don't think it always has to be a singing and dancing epiphany, but there needs to be something that's a turning point, some kind of realisation, some kind of thing that you're grappling with that you either expose or resolve in some way. So yeah, I'll always apply what I know in terms of like logic to what I'm making and writing or I like to start with a question a lot of my shows whenever I feel lost I go back to my core question because it just reignites my sense of curiosity and affirms my sense of not knowing and doubt which is where my creativity comes from of like approaching the idea that I don't know anything I'm entering a space that is untapped what's going to happen what am I going to make where can we go what assumptions are being made. That's all really exciting for me. So yeah, I'd say that my philosophy background is foundational for what I do. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you've got loads of other projects that we could have talked about today as well, but I just haven't been able to squeeze it all in. But, um, <laughs> we'll link all your work in the show notes under the podcast as well, so people can go and listen to your I know you have an album out as well, which I was listening to a yeah. bit of earlier. There's loads of stuff we could have talked about, but I, I just have a few sort of like questions we always ask, but like this is a fun one, which we'd start being asking recently. So I'm going to give you three categories. You can have a sweaty dance floor, a drunken karaoke night, or a hungover Sunday. Which, which of those oh. three would you like? Oh, that's very tricky. <laughs> Do you know what? I say sweaty dance floor. Cool, cool. That's a popular one at the moment, I guess. But um, yeah. we, we, all, we all miss that sort of club yeah. thing. But, um, <laughs> the, 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 the follow-up to that is, what are you dancing to? What song are you dancing to? <gasps> oh, goodness. That is a very difficult question. <laughs> I feel like saying I want something that is like up tempo defo mm. do you know i feel like saying uk garage something that's really fun oh do you know yeah. what <laughs> okay yes this is it so there's a uk garage remix of the thong song by cisco and it's just ridiculous it's just ridiculous but it's one of those songs that everyone can sing along to because it's just so Great. simple and it's just, I find the song ridiculous because he puts so much energy into singing about a thong. And you're like, what are you doing? Love it. We'll, 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 have, we'll, have, we'll have that then. There we go. That, that's your answer. <laughs> <laughs> Just get a real job.
And my next question is, which is obviously the name of the podcast, it's supported, but like we all as artists and stuff, we'd all had to work jobs we maybe didn't like or to pay the bills and stuff. But like, do you, is what's the worst part-time job or worst real job you'd ever had to work? You don't have to name the company or anything, but mm. is there any hot jobs that you'd ever had to work that you just hated or was Yeah, funny? I didn't last very long. <laughs> and that was my decision because I was just like, I'm just not getting paid enough for this. It was for working for a bar, I won't name, but they had some karaoke booths. But mm. the karaoke booths were right at the top and there was four levels. So I had to go down the levels, grab the parties and take them up, which was a thing in itself because it was in the middle of a nightclub. It was Everyone would be drunk. They'd be drunk, keeping them together. There'd be like glasses coming down the stairs, literally like smashing. I was like, this is health hazards. Like what? And then like getting them in. And then so many times people would just be upset because it was like hen parties. And they're like, this song's not available. You've ruined my wedding. Like, and it's just, <laughs> it's just really, I thought it would, it would be easy because I love karaoke, but it was just nightmarish. And I just, I really didn't enjoy it. And my bosses were not nice to me at all and I was just like I don't need to do this I'm not getting paid enough to be spoken to like this <laughs> fair it does sound quite hellish it does sound quite hellish <laughs> no we, we like to ask no it's just a good question because everyone like we it just makes people feel better because there are many people that listen to this that have to work are, are still working jobs that they isn't what they want to do full-time they're mm. just like oh at least other people have been through it and then made yeah. it to the other side so, you know well thank you very much for your time we just have one more question which we like to sort of all our guests to get them to sort of round up and you've given some really nice advice throughout this but like sort of just to round up and what would your advice be to any anyone who wants to sort of be a writer or a spoken word artist or a producer just all the various roles you are what would what would your advice be to them I'd say find your voice and in order to do that you need to expose yourself to other people's voices so whether that means going to exhibitions or going to workshops or reading other people's material just take inspiration from other places and interpret it respond to it yeah so whenever I go and see a play I'll always like write something after if I'll I'll get one little idea of Mm. like I liked that I'd want to do that or I don't want to do that or I'll go to an exhibition and write in response to it or something yeah so I'm like just constantly be refining your voice and how you would do something yeah that's very very good advice I like that I think I that's the first time someone said that in that way actually as well so which is always nice to get like a different perspective on things but thank you very very much for your time I appreciate you giving us it as well especially in like a when you were like in the middle of rehearsals and like you know going out the way for it I really it's really really enjoyable conversation so articulate as well so I really appreciate it <laughs> very good so that was my conversation with Keisha. Thank you very much to her again for coming on the podcast. Really, really appreciate it. Especially the the effort she went to to record from like the rehearsal space she was working in and stuff as well. So thanks for that. If you want to find out a bit more about her work, there are links to that in the show notes. There's poems and stuff as well some spoken word stuff, some of the shows she's done, go and check out some amazing work there. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, as always, there are lots and lots of things you can do to help us keep growing. For example, you can share us on social media, tell friends and family to listen. You can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or if you can afford to, you can donate to our Patreon and there's a link to that in the show notes. And I know we say this every week. So if you're one of the, the faithful OG listeners, I'm sorry you have to listen to this every week and I know you do all these things and we're really grateful for it. But, you know, it's just what you've got to do as an independent podcaster. We rely on that sort of thing. So thank you to everyone for your continued support. I hope wherever you are in the world, you're well. And I'm now going to go and find myself a much needed coffee. But I hope everyone has a lovely week. Just get a read.